Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. We need to have a conversation. We need to talk, you and I. And I want to have the conversation right now because it's important that once we have this conversation, you then have the conversation with everybody who's important to you. One of those deals. You know, kind of heavy off the top, right? Talk to your significant other. Talk to your kids. Talk to your parents. Talk to your coworkers. It's that important a conversation. A conversation that we need to have that is about this. The freaking Toronto Raptors. We need to talk about the Raptors. The Raptors are a good basketball team. They're a very good basketball team. Now, I'm not talking about the fact that they've got the best record in the NBA by a healthy margin. That's not my point. It's bigger than that. Let's go back a few weeks to when Toronto beat Golden State, 131-128 in OT. Now, that was big, but it was tempered by the fact that Golden State did not have Steph Curry and that the game was in Toronto. Yeah, well, last night... Golden State did have Steph Curry, and that game was in Oakland, and Toronto won by 20, 113-93. And it was the second game of a back-to-back, and they did it without Kawhi Leonard. So that's kind of a big deal, kind of a big story. And it's more about Toronto than it is Golden State. I mean, yeah, I know the Raptors have swept the season series with Golden State. It says a lot about the Raptors. But if you're looking for me to rush in and bury Golden State mid-December, you're barking up the wrong tree. You got the wrong guy, the wrong show. I'm not doing that. I mean, sure, they didn't have much energy. They didn't have a whole lot of urgency. But we've seen this before from them. They know how the regular season goes. They know how long it is. They know what they have to do to pace themselves. So for right now, last night was not about Golden State. It was all about the Raptors. It was all about the fact that they had five starters in double figures. It was all about the fact that they've got crazy versatility. It was all about the fact that they get after you defensively. It was all about the fact that Serge Ibaka looks like the old Serge Ibaka. And again, they did it without Kawhi Leonard, and they did it 24 hours after they beat the Clippers by 24 in their house. So what I'm saying is it's a big deal. It's a big story. You need to talk about it. We need to talk about it because it is a big story. But it is not the biggest story in California sports. Far from it. Because that honor goes to the L.A. Dodgers. Yes, the Dodgers ripped the headlines from everybody with the news that they have made an enormous addition to their pitching staff. I'm talking about the news that the Athletic broke that World Series champion Joe Kelly has reportedly signed with the L.A. Dodgers for three years and 25 mil. Party at OG's because the pride of Corona High School and the king of Riverside is coming home. Man, I love that deal so much. I am so about that deal. I'm all in. The dude who grew up skateboarding in SoCal is now going to pitch at Dodger Stadium. Did you see this guy in the postseason and the World Series? He was unhittable. That fastball was nasty. And the only thing nastier than the triple-digit heater is the attitude. This guy's intense. He has been on the biggest stage in all of baseball, and he thrived once he got there. And the thing is, he had some tough moments during the regular season. He had some times where it could have all gotten away from him, but it didn't. He turned it around, and the guy was a boss. No, the guy was a beast when he needed it most. 
brass does not do Joe Kelly justice. This is a dude who rolled to the mound last season to the remix sounds of that Walmart yodeling kid. As a freaking stud. You know you're reaching for your Molly and your glow sticks. In some abandoned warehouse in the 909. I'm telling you, if you're an opposing hitter and you see that guy coming to the bump with that music and his arm, you know you're in trouble. And if you're New York Yankee, Tyler Austin, you definitely were in trouble. That base runner at second base, like he got a piece of Brock Holt. The bench is cleared after that. And that's why he gets drilled here. And he slams the bat. Now he's making a move. And here come, here he comes on the run. And now fisticuffs as Kelly's being tackled and punches being thrown. The dugout's empty. Here come the bullpens again. And this time it's for real. Unlike the last time, punches and tackles. And we're going to see some ejections after this one. And the Red Sox and Yankees are at it again. My man Joe Kelly defending his teammates, dotting Austin. Austin slams his bat in the dirt, and Kelly's like, bring it on. Get out here, man. Let's do this. Austin charges the mound. Kelly starts connecting with Austin's head. Kelly was a pitcher who then became a legend. This guy's then dropping the puck at Bruins games. He's spending some of that six-game suspension in the Fenway bleachers. And now he's coming home. And this is exactly what the Dodgers need. They need that arm. They need that attitude. And Kelly had both on display in the postseason. Pitching in the World Series, in the stadium, that's a few miles from where you grew up, wearing a visiting uniform. That should be incredibly tough. Except Kelly made it look easy. You remember, one earned run, 13 strikeouts, no walks in 11 and a third postseason innings. He pitched six scoreless innings against the Dodgers in the World Series. You think maybe that might be a nice bridge to Kenley Jansen? I'd say so. Certainly a hell of a lot better than the Dodgers set up men and what they were doing in the World Series when they insisted on giving up runs just about every single time they entered the game. So let me be the first to welcome home Joe Kelly. I'm on record as saying 818 for life. 818 for life. 818 for life. But Joe Kelly makes me wish that I was born and raised up in the 909. Yeah, I said it. The king is coming home. I'll be at the airport waiting for you, brother. Brother. Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin, so good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Always good to be on with you, brother. Kelvin, always good to have you on. You and I have done this for a long, long time. Good to have you back. Let me start, Kelvin, with that win over LSU last night. You were down 10 at halftime, then down 15 in the second half, and then something happened. You start to dominate on the offensive glass. You outscore LSU 31-12 to over the next 12 minutes to take that lead. What did that particular run tell you about this team? I think just our maturity and our leadership. Um, if you're going to have a good year, and be able to battle through games like that. Um, you've got to have you've got to have seniors that that buy in. They they believe in the culture. Uh, they they love uh, you know as, as corny as it sounds. They they play for each other. They love each other. And I think that's what 
this team has developed. You know, when you go through, you know, we're allowed to have them in June, and uh, we put them through, uh, you know, tough, tough uh, uh, weight training, conditioning. Um, we get on them, we demand of them, but they they go through it together, and I think they form an appreciation for each other. Then when you get in games like last night, and you're down. 15, you've got to have something to draw back from. And I think our foundation here has always been our uh, toughness and greediness. And I think um, offensive rebounds, getting every loose ball, making the extra pass, playing selfless. Um, the team is, is starting to buy into that. And um, being down 15 last night and come back and win it, I, I just give a lot of credit to Galen Robinson, our senior point guard, and um, – and the toughness of our team. Kelvin Sampson, my guest. In terms of Galen Robinson, Kelvin, he had 18. He said that when you were down 15, he heard some LSU chants from the crowd, and his reaction was, quote, it really touched a nerve. So I was like, there's no way I'm quitting. No way are we losing this game, end quote. I mean, it doesn't surprise you, but what's it tell you about him as a competitor? That kid's come a long way, uh, Jim. You know, we've got a beautiful new arena. That crowd last night was incredible. Um, you know, we, we have a home court advantage now. But when we recruited Galen, uh, all we had was a blueprint. We showed him pictures of what the arena would be. We sold him on a vision. Uh, and he bought in uh, before we had any of this. We were coming off of in our first year. We were 13 and 19, uh, just building the program, just uh, trying to, you know, change the culture, the mindset, the attitude here. And, you know, he started as a freshman. Um, his freshman year, I think we won 22. Uh, sophomore year, 21. Last year, 27. And now this is his team. Um, you know, last year, Rob Gray, Devin Davis, who had some great seniors last year. But, you know, Galen is, uh, is you know, he, he's one of those kids that touches your heart. Uh, he's a Houston kid, Westbury Christian High School, about five miles from campus. He loves this city. He loves this university. Uh, he loves his team. And um, all that factors in, I think, to um, how he approached that, uh, our team and our game. When we were in at halftime, uh, you know, the players go into their locker room. The coaches uh, go a different direction into the coaches' locker room. And I could hear Galen through the walls uh, talking, to, talking to the team about uh, keeping their head up, you know, this 10-point uh, deficit, you know, nothing, you know, and he was really laying into a couple of them too. And you got a leader that will hold his teammates accountable. Then all of a sudden you have a player coach team and those teams are always the best. Kelvin Sampson joining us, you know, also you mentioned the uh, atmosphere last night, the vibe, that was your 22nd straight win at the Fertitta Center. And it was really rocking in the second half. You know, Kevin, you talked about that first year and the challenges that you faced and the vision you had and that you wanted to build something. So you have built it. I mean, you're still in the process of building it out, but you have built it and it's growing and it's becoming a monster onto itself. What's it like to see the students in the community embrace that program the way they have and to see them in the building the way it was last night? Uh, it, it's emotional. Um, you, you know, we won. You know, last year we played all our home games at Texas Southern University. So, you know, we were renting somebody else's home that we called ours. But we won 19 consecutive games there, 15 last year, and then the first four there this year. Now we've won three in a row over the Petita Center, which makes it 22. But 
know, I knew that we would get this turned around in terms of support from the crowd when the students bought in. We played three games here, Jim, against Oregon, Lamar, and LSU. And the one section that has been completely full, packed, standing room only, has been our student section. Um, now, last night, there was not an open seat in the house, and you could, you could almost feel it in that gym. That place was rocking. Um, and now we have a home court advantage. When we were in hot fines those first few years, well, that first year, if we didn't have comp tickets for the families, we'd have been in trouble. Um, the second year, it got a little better. Third year, a little bit better. Last year at Texas Southern, you know, uh, we had some great wins over there uh, late. But coming over to the Petita Center, uh, people, are, people are excited. And the thing I've noticed is the city is starting to buy in. You know, uh, Alex Bregman from um, the Astros was there last night. Eric Gordon uh, was there last night. Chris Paul called me uh, early yesterday morning. He was going to come over with uh, his brother and some of his friends, and um, I don't think he showed up. But it just shows you there's a vibe around Houston basketball now that's, that's um, uh, extending from our campus into the city. And now, all of a sudden, we're starting to become a hot ticket. And that's when you start getting things going. We're talking to Kelvin Sampson, the head coach at Houston. You mentioned what it was like in that building and how emotional it was. When you talk about something emotional, after you beat Oklahoma State in Stillwater, there was a special moment where you walked over to Eddie Sutton to talk to him, and you gave him a kiss on the cheek. What were those battles with him like back in the day, and what did that moment last week mean to you? Oh, man. Um, you know, when I first got to Oklahoma, uh, Jim, I was – you know, I came from the Pac-10. Uh, it was the Pac-10 then. Um, you know, I was just a young guy. Uh, Ed, Eddie, to me, was a legend. Uh, there's so many great coaches in that league. Roy was at Kansas. Um, Norm Stewart at Missouri. Uh, Eddie at um, Oklahoma State. And later on, Coach Knight at Indi- uh, in Indiana, uh, Texas Tech. Uh, just a great coaches league. But the, the one coach that really challenged me was always uh, Eddie Sutton because they were our in-state rival. We played them twice every year. Uh, both teams were always good. Both teams were always ranked. But he was one of those coaches that you knew if you didn't prepare the right way uh, and have some kind of plan that um, you were going to get embarrassed because he's an elite coach. I mean, he um, – it, it, was, it was really a blessing that when I got to Oklahoma that Coach Sutton was there because he did make me a better coach. Um, and I've, I've always appreciated him. I've always respected him. Uh, I did get a little emotional um, when I went over to see him because I didn't know what kind of um, health he was in. Uh, Sean and Scott, his sons, told me, I would always ask him, how's Coach, coach Sutton doing? How's your dad doing? And they would tell me, but until you see it, I don't think I was prepared for that. And then when I got in the press conference afterwards, uh, I got a little emotional. But that's that's because of the uh, respect and love I had for him and what he's done for the game. You know, Eddie's one of those guys that influenced a generation of uh, coaches with his style. You know, he's from the uh, Coach Iba tree, and Coach Iba for years was the preeminent coach and basketball coach in the country. And his tree extends so far down. Coach Sutton's tree does too. So, um, 
nothing but respect. I know we were bitter rivals, and those games were. You said, well, you know, run your offense and you know get a good shot. We were just trying to get a shot. We played Oklahoma State. It was hard to get a shot against them. They were so good, but it's a great rivalry. One that uh, I think was great for both universities and um, uh, something that helped shape and mold me uh, early in my career. Yeah, he brought out the best in you. Before you go, you're so right, Kelvin, when you talk about that league being a great coaches league, you mentioned Bob Knight. What was it like to go up against Bob Knight at, the, at that juncture of his career? I, I coached against Coach Knight when I was uh, a young guy at Washington State. And you know, you know, that's a very humbling experience um, when you're coaching against a legend and you're just a young guy trying to uh, figure things out. Um, he was, he was um, a giant, you know, a guy you looked up to. Him, Coach Sutton, I would put in the same category as they're just giants in the game. And there's always a little, when you're a young guy, uh, and if you're being completely honest, you say there's a, there probably is a little bit of intimidation there. You know, I was, you know, here I am, this young coach, kind of a nobody, and trying to scrap and claw and fight, get my team to do the same thing. And there's Coach, coach Knight down there, there's Coach Sutton down there, and, you know, you, you, you don't feel worthy sometimes, Jim. That's the way I felt. But I think you learn from those games that, you know, just prepare your team. You, you learn from them. Coach Knight did some things to our 1-4 offense that really helped me later in that year. Uh, Coach Sutton always did something defensively to take us, take us out of our offense that I would try to use later in the year. So um, it was a very humbling experience, but also a very beneficial experience because they – Whoever coached against them, not just me, any, anybody that coaches against Coach Knight and Coach Sutton, they're going to make you better coaches. Kelvin Sampson, my guest, building something big in Houston. They are undefeated right now. They are 9-0. and They're number 22 in the coaches' poll. They're at home against St. Louis on Sunday. That is a 3 p.m. Eastern start and a great come-from-behind victory over LSU. Kelvin, appreciate you very much. Always great to get caught up. Really appreciate what you're doing there in Houston, and let's make sure we do it again before the end of the season. Got to talk some more ball with you. I love it, Jim. Thank you. Hey, Matt, what's up? Hey, Jim Rome. From Lake Forest to Luxembourg, from Irvine to Indonesia, I want to wish all my peoples at the CBS Sports Net a happy holiday season. Jimmy, give my best to DA, who is literally smiling ear to ear these days. I mean, Jack Nicholson's Joker thinks dude has a ginormous grin. And shout out to Reggie McKenzie, man. Hey, you got a raw deal. Raider Nation got love for you and JDR, and we know you guys are going to bounce back elsewhere. But that's not why I called Jim. So I said, as soon as that went down, like, Matt, number one, where the hell did that come from? Number two, man, you keep DA's name out your mouth. Come on, Matt. You know I respect you. You're welcome to call the program. I put myself far enough out there as it is, taking your call as often as I do, but how are you going to take a run at my guy like that? D.A. has got his own show. D.A. is a great talent. He precedes me and us on the CBS Sports Radio Network. He has hosted this show in my absence. This guy knows exactly what he's doing. He does not need me to take up for him. But that call worked its way back to him. He played it on his show. And sure enough, he wanted to call our show this morning to respond. And certainly he's got that right. Let's go to the hotline right now. My man, D.A. What's up, brother? How are you? What's up, Romy? I am doing great. Just beamed down 
to the vine. Jungle is hot. I'm feeling it. It kind of smells like a decade around here. So I just wanted to address Matt in L.A. If that's your real name, it's not. Sure, Gardena is L.A. It's not. It's where you live when you can't afford L.A., Matt. It's where you live when you can't afford Montebello, Matt. Gardena is like wanting to eat Spago in Beverly Hills, but settling for a hot dog on the rollers at 76. You see, Matt, I smile because I have my big, beautiful, bright teeth. All of them. Crazy, right, Matt? All of them. I'm sure your family would faint if they saw a full smile of chiclets and full dental coverage. It's awesome. You're the guy Rome goes to, Matt, when the better caller hung up. You're the guy Rome goes to, Matt, when Jeff Passin from the winter meetings needs to get better cell service for a minute. You're what we call wallpaper, radio wallpaper. It's ugly, out of date, but always there to cover up a crack in the drywall. I'm even surprised Jim caught your crack at my teeth, Matt. He's usually talking to Alvin and Hawk during your calls about more important parts of the show, like what temperature the studio is at and when to play the Cars for Kids commercial. Here's the best part, Jim. I'm here three hours every day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year on the same radio network. But he called you to rip me instead of calling me to rip me. He's as scared as Urkel walking into a ring with Mike Tyson. Rome wore Nicholson's Joker over Heath Ledger's, wore the aliens and clones, wore leading into a Hall of Famer. Rome racked me and my oversized grill. Outro! <laughs> my man. Didn't I say I don't need to handle this guy's business for him? DA's got it. That a kid. Make sure he gets racked. You see, Matt, why would you want to do that? Why did you want any part of that? Out of boy, DA. Not that I had any doubts at all. Damon Amendolara. He is the host of the DA, DA show on CBS Sports Radio. He does precede me. He has hosted this show in my absence. He will again. If you were watching on CBS Sports Network, maybe you saw that on TV. <laughs> that was awesome. Be careful who you take a run at. <laughs> Outro. All right, so again, that goes back to yesterday. You see what happens. Matt, you do that drive-by. It lasts maybe 15 seconds, but you take a run at a respected guy, a pedigreed guy, a guy who's got some skins, and then he shows up with a two-minute takedown or more. Was that worth that 15-second drive-by? I'm going to say it was not. 1-800-636-86. 8-6. Nice job, DA. Well done. Extremely well done. Now, Matt, that does not mean that you come back in here and then you try and take a run at Tiki or Tierney. And you sure as hell better keep Scotty Farrell's name out your mouth. Don't do that. <laughs> wow. All right. In addition to that, and I'm looking for your reaction to it. Nice job, DA. Extremely well done. We've got the matchup coming up tonight. I do want to talk about the winter meetings, something he mentioned. The fact that cell service is horrible at the winter meetings, and it's tough to get any work done, any business done. I have that story, too. He touched on that. Also, the Clippers. The Clippers are going in. The Clippers are trying to find a way to turn not only Kawhi Leonard, but Kevin Durant. ESPN had that. This email says, 
D.A. Smack off. Jim in Green Bay. Listen, D.A. is more than welcome to be in the smack off. He's got his own show. He's got his own brand. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need that. Now, if a guy like that ever said, hey, Rome, can I do that? All day long. But again, he's got his own thing. He's got his own brand. He's got his own show. He's got his own business. Rome, what rhymes with D.A.? Freaking smack off. Aaron in Omaha. War Nebraska Volleyball Final Four victory tonight. You know what's funny about that? Every time this guy emails, he wars that. And every single time, whoever handles that on the other side of the glass crosses it out. But forgot to this time. Hawk didn't get it this time. It got through. The Nebraska Volleyball reference. Your pal Rich in the 636. His Twitter handle is at ChlorophyllDUI. At Chlorophyll DUI is the handle, Alvy. He tweets, oh my God, DA just murdered Matt on national radio. At Hitman Canadian tweets, someone bring back Ho to dig up Matt in LA because DA just buried him alive. Hashtag golden ticket. Again. See, DA, we're on a different level, right? I'm not going to offer DA a golden ticket. DA is a peer. DA is a colleague. It's not like that. You know, DA is a friend. Now, if you were to say to me, hey, Rome, you know what? I'd like to be in this back off, actually. I think that'd be pretty cool. But I'm not going to insult him. Now, I'm not going to insult you by saying that I'm not going to insult him. But he's not a caller. He just wanted to respond to Matt in L.A. having that drive-by run at him. The guy wants to be in the smack off. Okay, like Jeff Passan. Jeff Passan, a friend, a colleague, a peer. He wanted to be in the smack off, so I put him in the smack off. And he crushed it. Top three, first time in. Paulie T. Wall tweets, DA took a bite out of Matt. Trevor Douglas tweets, Matt in LA, just one question. How DA's ass taste. Tell me how my ass tastes. <laughs> Jarvis Landry is my guest. Jarvis, boy, that's a lot to get out. Good to have you back. How are you? Oh, man, it's so good to be on, man. How you doing? Dude, I'm great. It's really good to have you back. Thanks so much for doing this. Let me, let me get you to go back to last weekend. First, you did just about everything there was to do on a football field in that win over Carolina. Let me start with the fake jet sweep into a real jet sweep where you scored. What did you see on that play? Uh, man, honestly, it was just a great design, great design play, you know, and um, when I turned the corner, it was nothing, nothing but the end zone, you know, and... Um, it was a great call by Freddie, and, uh, you know, Joel, he led the way on that one for me, and I scored. All right, then there was your carry on third and two in the fourth where he went 51 yards and set up the game-winning TD. How much pride then was there for you to come through in a moment like that? Man, look, I'm still, I'm still getting ragged on for not scoring and letting Keekly catch me on that play. So uh, I don't want to talk about it so much, but, you know, it was a good play, man. And, um, you know, I don't think that they thought that we would call it twice. Um, and we did, and, um, you know, I got it down to the three-yard line, and then, you know, Chubb and O-line, you know, they did their thing by punching it in and uh, taking the lead late. 
We're talking to Jarvis Landry. They did run that play back. You guys did. And that was a great call also. Listen, we can't move on from that game without talking about that 51-yard TD reception that he caught over a couple of defenders. Baker Mayfield called it, quote, an unbelievable catch. Richard Higgins said, quote, I was like, how the hell he catch that? That surprised me, mm-hmm. end quote. So how the hell did you catch that? Man, it was, a, it was a hell of a throw, man. It was a hell of a throw, you know, between two defenders, um, you know, what, 50 yards down the field and – Honestly, like I told Baker, man, I just fell in love with the ball, and, and you know, he trusted me enough to throw it. You know, I, I had to catch it, you know, and that's all I was thinking about. Yeah, that was a hell of a throw. What a great line. You fell in love with the ball. What do you mean by that? I just, I, I mean, I know there were guys around me. You know, um, I know um, that it's going to be a tough catch, but, you know, I just focused on the ball, fell in love with it. Like I said, fell in love with it, just only saw the ball, and, you know, I, I caught it. Jarvis Landry joining us. Listen, when you arrived in Cleveland, you were telling the world that something special was about to happen with this team. At that time, that was a pretty bold statement because the team had won just one game in its previous two years. So what did you see that made you feel like that was all about to change? I mean, I just understood the potential that we had and and knowing that and then seeing the guys that we brought in with the draft, uh, with all our draft picks, you know, I knew the opportunity was going to be there for us to have a uh, – you know, potentially have a good season, you know, and I, we're still in place um, to make a playoff run here. But, you know, obviously, I think for us, we got to go to Denver and, and get this one handled and settled and, you know, worry about the rest of it later. But, you know, I know that, you know, our future is right here in Cleveland. Hey, listen, you're taking this in stride right now. And you knew. You were there. You knew. I don't think too many people on the outside knew. Is there any part of you? I mean, like you said, you're in December. You're still on the hunt. You've got a shot still for the postseason this year. Is there any part of you that wants to say, hey, now, I told you. I told you all this could happen. Um, you know you know what? No, it's not. You know, I, need, I know, you know, a lot of it um, um, for me has just been, you know, the confidence thing and the confidence level that we have as a team and, and, and every guy has in itself, um, and understanding what we can get done. You know, it's not so much telling people well, I told you so, but it's about proving the people right that took a chance on all the guys that's in the building and that take the field each and every time we have a game um, to, 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 to compete for victory. Jarvis Landry, my guest. All right, so maybe it's not about I told you so, but the fact is you're a huge part of changing that culture and creating a new one. How did you go about doing that? What was your process and your approach? Um, honestly, it was just, you know, just doing my part. Um, you know, I've always kind of been a leader by example. You know, obviously, you know, from Hard Knocks, people saw me talking a little bit and uh, with the speech and stuff like that, you know, and it, honestly, I still don't think it was a speech. You know, I just think it was just something that, you know, me talking to the guys about. Um, but, you know, I, all this stuff, you know, is not just credited to me. You know, there's a lot of guys that are also leaders um, inside that building. You know, we just found a way to understand that, you know, it's about us. It's not about our opponents. It's not about what's going on um, distraction-wise. You know, it's just about us. And, you know, we took that serious and, you know, we started winning games. We're talking to Browns wide receiver Jarvis Landry. Now, you mentioned what it's like to lead and how you approach your leadership role. As one leader looking at another, what do you make of Baker Mayfield and what he's brought to the team? I mean, I was saying, you know, his charisma, his attitude, his personality, you know, just his competitive nature is something that, you know, rubs off on everybody. You know, seeing a quarterback that fiery, you know, and, and obviously, you know, he has the arm and it's all the tools to back it up. So, you know, when you could do that, especially at this level, being the highest level on a consistent basis, you know, you earn the respect and you earn the right to be called a leader um, on this level. And, 
you know, he's doing that so far, and he's only a rookie. Yeah, see, that was going to be my thing. I mean, it's one thing. I agree with everything you just said. I understand that. But to do that as quickly as he has, as young a guy as he is, that to me is what makes it so impressive. You know, Jarvis, when I look at your game in particular, there are so many numbers to me that stick out. Leading the league in receptions last season, being among the league leaders in first down receptions, red zone receptions, red zone TDs. As you look at your game, what's the stat or maybe the aspect of your game that you're most proud of? Um... Man, I don't know. You know, I try to stay out of the stat stat line and, and stuff like that. But, you know, for the most part, man, I, honestly, my focus is just catching the ball, you know, as far as just um, getting the right targets, getting the opportunities, and then making the plays when they come my way, you know. And that's been the biggest thing. I know here, especially as of late, you know, it's going to be huge for us and crucial for us for, you know, our playmakers to step up, myself included. You know, when we get opportunities to make plays for this team, we got to be able to make them and, you know, make bigger plays out of the plays that we got. So how different has the team been since the change at head coach? Um, it's been a lot different. You know, Greg Greg Williams is a lot different than, you know, Coach Hugh was. Uh, you know, uh, Greg is a, you know, he's a, he's a really great motivator, you know, um, and not only that, you know, he urges us to compete every day. I think I said this yesterday, you know, and there's something about, you know, that, that, you know, does a lot for guys. I know, like myself, being a fiery guy and being a competitor, you know, he kind of brings a little bit more juice to me, to me and to the team. Um, you know, with his, whether it's a speech or just a mindset that he approaches the game with, or coaching with, or just life with in general. You know, that kind of you know open doors and you know open our minds up to different things. Jarvis, what about Freddie Kitchens? You mentioned him at the top. What's it been like with him scheming up and dialing up the offense, and what's it been like playing for him? I mean, it's been good. You know, it's been good. You know. Um, He's just understanding, too, you know, he, he's kind of new to calling plays, you know, as well, you know, but he's done a hell of a job, man, of just trying to make sure that, obviously, with a, with a young quarterback, we put him in situations to, you know, um, complete passes, you know, and, and hand the ball off. Uh, Chubb has been running the ball great, you know, so, you know, we've just been finding a way to keep it balanced, finding a way to keep teams off balance, and I think with Freddie calling the plays, you know, he don't really have any tendencies. You know, so it's kind of tough for a defense to prepare for us, which kind of gives us the advantage, you know? Jarvis Landry joining us, definitely so. Listen, one thing, you're coming off an enormous game, lots of touches. You impacted the game in so many different ways. Since the change in coaching, though, there have been some games where you did not see as many targets. It would have been easy for a guy in your position to complain, but that's not what you've done. You've been a leader. You haven't said anything at all. A lot of other guys may not have taken that approach. Why have you approached it that way? You know, I don't, I mean, it's just kind of who I am. You know, it's been tough. You know, obviously it's tough, you know, being a competitor and, you know, wanting to help um, the team. You know, I think for me personally, just coming off a contract um, this season, you know, I want to be able to earn my check, you know. And, um, you know, it didn't come with the, the touches that, you know, I thought it would come with, but it came with, with, with a couple of victories, you know, and I'm all about winning. You know, um, it's definitely been a humbling moment for me. Uh, time for me but you know I've embraced it and I stay patient I kept trusting my preparation I continued to work hard at practice and you know my time came this past week and you know I made the plays when my number was called and you know hopefully this week it's the same deal so listen finally what's it like now I mean you're in the hunt you're in the hunt you're playing games in December that matter this is unfamiliar territory for a lot of guys not locker room what's it like to come to work knowing that you've got that much at stake this late in the season 
Uh, it's definitely exciting, you know, but from, from there, you know, it has to be a motivating factor, you know, and a focus, the discipline, um, the detail, all that stuff has to be, you know, amplified and cranked up a little bit because, you know, in December, every game counts, especially this late and especially in the situation that we're in right now, you know, every game counts. So um, for us, the focus and all that stuff is real high and um, we're going to leave out today um, and, you know, get acclimated to the weather and, you know, start to get ready for Saturday. Jarvis Landry joining us. Last thought about getting acclimated. What's it like when you go to Denver? What's it like when you deal with the atmosphere? What's it like when you deal with those elements? How big of a difference is that? You know, it never really fazed me. Um, I played out there twice. Um, it never really fazed me. It never really bothered me. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, if this time will be different. But, you know, regardless of the altitude and all that stuff, we're going out there to win the game and um, all the rest of that stuff. I don't care about. Which, Jarvis, you know me. Like, I'm a world-class athlete and all. Like, last time I went to Colorado, I got an elliptical machine for three minutes. <laughs> I thought I was going to die after three <laughs> minutes, man. So much respect to you and everybody who's got a ball out like that. Because to me, there's a – I mean, dude, walking up and down the street, I had issues. So I can only imagine yeah. what it's like to play at that high level. Jarvis Landry is my guest, a three-time Pro Bowler coming off a huge game. And Cleveland is at Denver. Jarvis, appreciate you a lot, man. Thank you so much and great to have you back on. Always good to talk to you, brother. Thank you. Great talking to you. And now Matt's back. Matt's getting back up. Matt, look what you did, man. What's up? Romy Rome. Hey, from Gardena, California to Gardenia, New Jersey. Your boy Matt in L.A. wants to welcome you all to the world's most notorious sports talk show on the CBS Sports Net. And I will be calling Dude Show tomorrow, too. You are now rocking with the jungle. So first off, man. Vince Scully used to say two-thirds of the earth is covered by water and the other third is covered by Gary Maddox. But in this case, two-thirds of DA's dome piece is covered by his antler-laden pie hole and the other third is spectacular talking hairdo. Jim, never had I seen a talk show host able to swallow a microphone sideways and still have room to take a swig of his cup of joe until I saw my dude on the NFL Network the other night narrating the 10 best list. I mean, Darren has the uncanny gift of fitting a five-course meal inside his storage warehouse of an oral cavity while carrying on a conversation simultaneously. But truthfully, man, I got nothing but love for D.A., almost as much love for D.A. as his dentist, who makes bag Harper-like money off of D.A.'s monthly prophylaxis alone. And relax, clones. Prophylaxis is the medical term for dental cleaning, not what you wish you used. So get your heads out of the gutter. But I'm extending the olive branch, Jimmos. Yo, DA, next time you're in L.A., if you're not too bougie, hit me up. I'll be in the South Bay, homie. Gardena to be exact, though. Not Montebello. That's all I got, Jim. War DA finishing off carne asada burritos in one bite. War Irate Craig using fish skeletons as combs. Outro! Matt in L.A. <laughs> it's not a bad beef, actually. It's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. All right, Matt, well done. Daniel Jeremiah is my guest. Daniel, what's up? Good to have you back. What's going on, Rob? Nice high school. man. Dude, you had a great career. Over 7,500 yards passing. Nice job. All right, so Thanks, for tonight, bro. we've got Chargers Chiefs at Arrowhead. I'm not going to ask you for your prediction because you do cover the Chargers. But, Daniel, if we go back to the first week, a lot of people were leaving the Chargers for dead after that game against Kansas City. So how would you describe the way they have responded to that game and the way they've turned their season around? Well, they've really done a nice job. I mean, early in the season, they played the Chiefs and the Rams, and they dropped those games. And, and I think a lot of people thought, okay, kind of 
same old Chargers. But, um, you know, they just continue to get better and better. And you go back and look at that first meeting with Kansas City, they had undrafted rookie free agent uh, returning punts that day, J.J. Jones, who was cut after that game, after one game. He drops a punt at the three-yard line. Uh, the Chiefs punch in one play later. You have a punt return for a touchdown by Tyree Kill. And you have a couple drop touchdown passes for the Chargers. And Rivers threw for 400-plus yards in that game. They just they made some mistakes. and But they were competitive against the Rams uh, on the road, lose that game. But then uh, this team just settled in. You know, they, they're very balanced. It's a top-10 offense. It's a top-10 defense. And, uh, and Rivers, when he's protecting the football, uh, they're, they're tough to beat. So they, they've got a couple big road wins now with, with Seattle and Pittsburgh, and this will be their biggest challenge tonight. We're talking to Daniel Jeremiah, NFL Network analyst, also covering the Chargers. Now, as you break down film on the Chiefs against the Ravens, what did you make of what you saw from Patrick Mahomes and how he handled that pressure that Baltimore brought? Well, I was impressed, Jim. I mean, they, they knocked the snot out of him. I think they hit him 15 times in that game, and he just kept coming back. And uh, the, the fourth and ninth throw is, I don't know if I can tell you if I've seen a better throw in an NFL game. Uh, to make that throw rolling to your right all the way across to the middle of the field to Tyree Kill to kind of save the game for him, uh, I, I just, I've never seen a throw like that. So to me, they kind of showed their mettle. I think there was, might, might not have been said around the league, but people were curious okay, this is a high flying team, but is it a finesse team? Let's see, you know, Baltimore is going to punch you in the mouth. Uh, let's see how this team responds and how this quarterback responds. And uh, you got to give them credit, they passed the test. No, and he did, and they did, with a lot of grit and a lot of heart. And, Daniel, to your point, I mean, I've never seen a big throw like that ever, much less in that situation, fourth and nine, to keep them alive. In fact, this guy started 14 games now. He started 14 games in his career. How do you explain the fact that he's already playing at the level he's playing at? Well, it's, just, it's stupid. I mean, I don't know how you explain it. I mean, I, I had heard, uh, you know, all the buzz about him on the practice field the previous year, and, and I got friends in that front office, and they just kept raving about him. And then, okay, well, you know, let's see. And get out there and see him in person week one. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this kid's legit, man. He's got all kinds of ability, and it's a perfect match uh, for Andy Reid. And then uh, the weapons that they have and his confidence, I mean, I think that's really kind of the, the biggest thing is that Andy Reid, having worked with him for a couple of years in Philadelphia, nobody instills more confidence in their guy than Andy does. And all of his quarterbacks traditionally play well. He just never had a kid with this much ability that now has this much confidence. Uh, it really is. Look, I'm calling the game for the Chargers, but I'm looking forward to just watching the kid play. It is fun to watch him. Daniel Jeremiah, my guest, you mentioned his weapons, of course. He's without one weapon that he's not going to get back in Kareem Hunt. How different do they look to you without Kareem Hunt? Well, they just chucked it. I mean, they, they just decided to chuck it uh, against the Ravens. I, it's, it's like they're not going to run the ball as well. I mean, we'll see uh, Damian Wade will get the nod tonight because they've got a couple other injuries. Well, Spencer Ware, don't think he's going. So, um, you know, they're, they're a little bit more lopsided, uh, which will be interesting. You know, if we have some wet weather, um, you'd think maybe run the ball a little bit more. And the other thing is one of the guys they're missing from the first week is uh, Laurent Tarvinet, or I can't even say his name right. I get it wrong every time. Canadian guard. He's really, really good. Uh, uh, Duvernay Tardif, thank you. Uh, but th- he played really, really well against the Chargers in, in the first game. So not having him on the offensive line, they're beat without Cam Irving, their other guard. So missing a couple offensive linemen and their stud running backs is a factor. But Chargers are missing two running backs themselves. 
All right, to that point, Daniel Jeremiah, my guest, it, both teams are banged up, and the Chargers are missing a couple of running backs. That being said, how much more pressure is there on Phillip Rivers if he doesn't have either one of those guys? Well, I think it's, it's been, you know, the, since Anthony Lynn got to this organization as the head coach, uh, one of the keys has been, okay, take some of that pressure off of Phillip Rivers with the run game, and Melvin Gordon done a phenomenal job of that. But tonight, I think it's it's kind of like you know, for one night only, you know, this is the Philip Rivers show, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be all on him. Gonna have to have a huge game. Uh, I think you look for them. You know, if the running game doesn't get cranked up, I think you see a quick passing game, get the ball to the backs. Uh, these young backs can catch the ball. Uh, they're gonna play in the night, so I think the quick passing game, and then eventually take some shots down the field. I do think they have matchups that they like in the passing game down the field. Uh, the question is, can you hold up in pass protection against D4, Justin Houston, uh, and that crew? You know, they're, they're a good group up front. Yeah, I mean, they you can run on them, right? And they've given up some big plays, but they get to the quarterback. They definitely get oh, to yeah. the quarterback. Daniel Jeremiah yeah, is my I, guess. I was just watching yeah. their sack reel, just kind of going back through this morning and going back and watching it. It's, uh, it, it's no joke, man. They, uh, they got some legit, legit pass rushers. No doubt. Listen, before you go, and I'm fired up for that game. We're all fired up for the game tonight. I had Jarvis Landry on the show earlier this hour. The Browns still have a look at the postseason. What does that tell you about how they've turned things around? I mean, literally have gone from being a joke to a potential playoff team as quickly as they have. Uh, it's impressive, man, and I think you got to give Baker a lot of credit for that. I mean, I've was a woe with me organization. Something went wrong, and here we go again. Baker Mayfield. You know, people, the cockiness, whatever you want to call it, I think it was just what that organization needed. So it's a fun team to watch. Every week I love watching their tape, Jim. It's just a fun team to watch. Through an absolute blast. Daniel, let me ask you this. It's been a few days since the Miami Dolphins beat the Patriots with the Miami Miracle. When you look at the all-22 film on that play, how many mistakes did the Patriots make? Oh, it was ridiculous. You start with the personnel on the field, as has been well noted, was not the correct personnel you had on the field. And then the best way I can describe that after watching the All-22, Jim, is like you're like watching a fast break, like a like a three-on-two fast break, and you see both both guys on defense buzz out to the wing, and the point guard kind of takes it straight to the to the bucket, like nobody there. Like, what the heck are you doing? You got to stop the ball, man. <laughs> exactly. I mentioned earlier that you've been covering the Chargers as an analyst on the radio broadcast. This is not an easy thing at all to do, but you make it sound pretty easy. What's this season been like for you doing that? It's a blast, man. The thing I love about it is, is getting to go kind of a deep dive on the opponent every week and then uh, just being in the stadium, dude. And I love the studio. I have a lot of fun doing the, the TV stuff in the studio, but live events in a live stadium, Jim, I mean, it's, uh, I can imagine it's like watching, when you watch one of those horses uh, up close, it's a lot better than watching it on TV, bro. In Los Angeles. Hey, Fabian, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Good morning, Rome. Um, yeah, dude, I was talking to Adam right now. Dude, I plan on uh, making a little road trip to uh, Mission uh, Valley, is it? Uh, the thing was that I'm telling uh, how, how could I, I mean, or, I mean, you're the man. Dude, I need to take a picture with you. Let me ask you, could, can that be possible, you know? Dude, of course that would be possible. Yeah, because, you know, I don't know if, I don't know how that works. Never been to one of those deals, you know, and I don't know if they have you, like, you know, you know, Far from the crowd. I really don't know how you know, how it goes down. You, you know, know but you. listen. Can if you that's get? The case, can you, homie, I'm gonna see you on Sunday for I could meet you, and hopefully you you'll, you'll take a picture with me, homie. Oh, of course, man. Of course, that's what it's all about, Fabian. You know that. You just gotta find a way to get down there. Get down there to Mission Valley, and of course we'll do that. We'll hang out, man. We'll take a picture. I'll be there for sure, bro. You got it, man. I got one thing to say to you, Fabian. Neep. I'll see you on Sunday. Oh. There you go. 
Good night!